0: to the Intersection Podcast. Here we are with the founder, Ryder, And Joe, the way we try to do this is like you introduce yourself, you let us tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you come from and what you're doing. And uh, we pick up the conversation from there. So take it away. Tell us.
1: It's great great to be speaking to you guys. Haven't seen my, my old friend Raide in, in a long time. So it's good to be a, a friendly face. But no, my name is Joe Markovsky. I'm the executive vice president of uh, DAZN, uh one of the world's leading sports OTT broadcast firms. I've been with DAZN, uh since the very start of, of the journey uh, in 2015, but prior to that with the um, parent company, the original parent company of Zone Form Group, since 2011. So uh, coming up to a, a decade uh, working in, in sports media and, and sports broadcasting, uh, I met at the very start of that journey uh, a long time ago now. Uh, when we were both a bit younger uh, and yeah, a bit more <laughs> of a step, uh, it's great to be yeah, catching up and, and speaking to you guys today. And look forward
2: to it. So, Joe, uh, actually, let's let's start there. When and where we met um, uh, to frame that, that. Around that time, I, I was uh, working full time with the league, and Perform was uh, one of our, our providers. Uh, so, what what was the the task that that Joe, twenty eleven uh were in charge of back then
1: yeah so P- perform group is, is a company that sports fans and actually a lot of sports media professionals internationally may not know but i'm sure at some point have used their products or uh been fans of properties that, that perform um supplied services to perform was behind the curtain a, a b2b provider uh doing all manner of things from its original sort of main money driving project was the supplying of of, of betting video content and data to the bookmaking industry that allowed in-play betting on websites as that technology grew. That was a huge driver of the sport business, as was the services providing um, sort of segment of the business to, to, to sports properties like League and like FIBA, the, the, the world governing body of basketball, the Women's Tennis Association. So we were doing all manner of things. We were running websites. We were running streaming platforms in the early days of OTT. We were advising on subscription marketing. Uh, we were providing digital marketing sort of assets and, and capabilities there. So it was a full services sort of digital sports agency uh, supplying clients um, like EuroLeague. I joined as a as a, you know, a, a university graduate and was given a few key accounts to manage. Euroleague and FIBA in, in the world of basketball uh, be, being two. Um, and obviously when you're a 23 year old kid and you're given the opportunity to go to Barcelona every couple of weeks to go and sort of um, run about in a, in a nice office in the sun you're going you're to take that opportunity and that's where we, we met um, I'd come over and, and we'd, we'd spend great time I think with your, your team I remember Alex Ferrer in particular and Andrea and that, that whole crew um, just, just a great opportunity I felt to sort of just be given the accountability and the authority to go and work with clients and get a sense of what you were doing and, and build an idea of what the industry was doing in terms of um, digital products and where organisations like yours were trying to go. So um, a really really fun time and one in which I met you know a lot of great people in the industry who
2: remain friends, you know yourself included. So um, yeah, a long time ago, but a, but a very good time. Yeah, Since seems, seems like a, a full lifetime ago. It's interesting because from that perspective, I think that that. Our first job is usually very formative. In in, in if we continue in, within that path in that industry, and I think that back then the work with data as a property, in which we were trying to figure out what would be next to keep punching above our weight, as as that was kind of the the claim that actually dro- drove yearly uh, back then. Um, with partners like you, is is how we kind of start to refine that vision in terms of you know let's let's try to build something that, that actually has meaning for our fans and we can generate that. And I remember, and comparing to now, I mean, the, the D2C game, the OTT game back in the day was in, in, in its infancy. I mean, it wasn't something that actually was very easy to, to, to develop, especially because of the weight traditional broadcasters had in the right? and right? I remember, I mean, those, those were the conversations. I mean, when, where we can, where we can't, which you know, one kind of upset upset the other. And then that transition towards, okay, now now we see on a market by market basis through that platform which uh which I mean is called your TV and 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 but back in the day was uh, run on the on the live basketball platform that performed built. Actually those were fun times that actually allowed us to actually build that. So yo know, from from that point, I mean, if I'm not mistaken that could be probably three four years probably of engagement right uh, in which we were working uh hand in hand well
1: yeah so I was I was doing that at obviously different different conversations and different rights I was probably three four years up into 2015 in, in 2014 2015 I was part-time doing an MBA at Imperial College London which was which was great and a lot of my focus there was on um the growth of OTT and trying to Um, take the sort of core business theory stuff you learn on an MBA and applying it to the sports industry. My view and the view of the company at that time was that uh, sport was probably four or five years behind other entertainment genres like music and entertainment television in establishing its digital future as an industry. And I think the reason for that was um, the way that rights are sold. Big major rights that drive transitions like the one you just described especially in the States, get sold for a long time, you know, periods of time. We're talking about 10, 15-year deals in some cases. And obviously, those legacy deals were, were, were made by traditional media companies who weren't perhaps as motivated to move to OTT as a more insurgent brand like, like ours who's trying to get off into the door. So our view was, and the view of our shareholder was, we've looked, at, we've looked at what Spotify have done with music, we've looked at what Netflix and other companies like that have done in entertainment television surely it's only a matter of time until sport goes that way uh, and what are the opportunities for a company uh, that has no you know direct to consumer broadcaster uh, products uh, what can it do to enter that market so in and around that time mid 2014 late 2014 a group of us within perform sort of carved ourselves off full-time and started working on an ott uh, launch strategy the ambitions for that were unclear. There was clear direction from uh, our board and from our owner, Len Blavatnik, Sir Len Blavatnik uh, to look at it. But none of us really knew what it could become. You know, you fast forward five and a half years, and now the zone is, is literally the, the business as a, as a whole. It's all we do. We've, we've divested other assets strategically uh, from the original core business, Perform is now uh, Stats Perform, it's a separate sister organization. Uh, which you know, we've, we've also divested more recently um, some of our, our, our media platforms like like Goal.com, that was announced recently as well. So the transition over five years from this being an interesting project that a group of five people are looking at to being a the sole focus on a global level of two and a half, almost 3,000 people, it, it is quite remarkable. And it sort of explains a lot of the bags under my eyes and uh, the, <laughs> the tiredness Stresses of many of my colleagues that have been on the journey from the start, but um, despite all of the stress and obviously the, the the focus we've had on it, it's been an amazing journey, and we've we all, as individuals as well as as an organisation, learned a hell of a lot and, and established ourselves in a position we're really proud of as um, you know, soon to be the first truly global sports broadcaster, and that is very exciting. It's it's it's, it's a recognition of a lot of hard work and the support of a very um, very supportive shareholder. Uh, and we're excited about the next phase of our growth as we look, look on a global scale from December.
2: Yeah, and, and actually we'll, we'll touch on that briefly. But the transition toward what's the, the stone actually wasn't something that, that, that is usual, more, more usual than not actually in, in sports, which is, you know, let's go big or go bust, right? I mean, you, you actually were very methodical in the the selection of the markets in which you will deploy and, and actually it seems like you took a, your time to I wouldn't call it, call it a test but actually to mature that model
1: yeah
2: then to to jump into the next evolution of Western Europe and and and, and Mexico so and has some something to do with your own path and career and your the steps that you took right
1: yeah, for sure. I was actually joking with our our strategy team last week. Obviously, a lot of these guys have uh, have come in recently and they're, they're very smart people. They've been working at investment banks and at um, you know the big four sort of um, professional services organisations, and they're building these go global looking at certain markets and, and giving us a, a pack of data on uh, various things to know about this media market. And I was joking with James Goldman, one of our senior strategy guys that five years ago we were on a whiteboard the two of us in a, in a very unglamorous room on an industrial estate in in felton near Heathrow airport on a whiteboard just literally marking down various bits of information that we were desktop researching but that again that evolution of our sophistication from being a very very small very nimble um insurgent team of people just looking at an industry and working out how to disrupt it all the way through to to now where we have a, a really sophisticated strategy organization that are, that are um, you know, doing significant, re- running significant research projects in, in all major markets of the world to identify how and when we could potentially enter and grow in those markets is, is great. And I, I think it, it, it speaks to the, again, the rise of, of the opportunity and the, and, and, the, and the scale of investment and the, um, the ambition the business has. Uh, in this space, and it's, it's really, it is really exciting. It's, it's, it's great to see.
2: So you, you rolled out the zone first, if I'm not mistaken, in Japan? It was uh, in
1: Switzerland first, and then 10 days later in Japan, both of which were August 2016. Um, all right. And then, yeah, we, had, we launched for the Premier League, UK Premier League soccer season in August in, in, in Germany. And then we launched uh, later that month with yeah, a, a package of of, uh, of Japanese and international content in Japan, which obviously we then sort of supercharged with the acquisition of the J-League domestic soccer rights, which started in the early part of 2017. So, yeah, it was a busy summer, 2016, for sure.
2: <laughs> definitely, definitely. And how, how that understanding of those key markets, because Japan, Germany are, you know, arguably one of the some of the biggest markets in 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 media how that experience actually informed that model that you keep refining in terms of then you know looking at what you did in western europe brazil i suppose and 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 then you know kind of north america
1: there there are huge consistencies of learning and observation how how one looks to move an audience uh from a traditional linear broadcaster to a New and insurgent OTT brands, uh, brand awareness, um, making sure people become familiar with the steps to to go through to actually become a subscriber. As people working in the industry, and I say this, hopefully still still able to say this, as a relatively young person, it's it's it, in a in a you know, living in and being from a relatively mature media market uh, like the UK or or where I live now in the US it's easy to underestimate the challenge of moving consumers from linear broadcast to OTT. My parents are in their 60s. They're relatively digitally savvy. That isn't always the case on a scale, even with younger people. So I I, I had this view of, well, of course, they're gonna know how to buy a DAZN subscription because it's obvious. It's just a digital product like Spotify, like Netflix, like whatever else you use on your phone or on your smart television that isn't especially in certain Japan for all its international reputation of being a very forward thinking digital market. There's not a huge penetration of OTT products that maybe you'd expect. So the challenge of picking users up from a linear broadcaster that has a 30, 40 year brand reputation uh, established um, where 97% of the sports fan base know that product, know where to get it, know what they are, have an understanding of that business. Picking them up and moving them onto a, a new, uh, completely nascent brand is actually the biggest consistent learning that, that I've seen from a marketing perspective. There are, other, there are others that are more nuanced. Uh, we picked Japan as one of our first markets. It's you know, maybe the most nuanced major media market in the world. I had the pleasure of working there for two years and you learn a hell of a lot about a very different culture and a way, different way of life, both inside the industry and outside more generally. Um, so I think it's about a balance. We're a global organisation. Obviously we want to have systems and approaches and strategies that you can apply as globally as, you, as possible as you can. There's also, you've got to remember sport and sports fans are inherently local. So tailoring the offer, tailoring your way of working uh, in all aspects of the business is really, really important. So I think for us it's a balance of learnings you can apply globally but also having the appropriate local view and the local team to say, actually, that's not as relevant as you might in this market, or it's more relevant in this market for X, Y, and Z reasons. So it's um, been a really interesting sort of global experiment that obviously we're about to turn the notch up on in, in December.
2: Yeah, actually, and, and people tend to think that it's just a matter of building a nice app that you know doesn't buffer a lot and you just plug content there and, and people will follow it and actually it's it's quite far from the truth. And yeah. to your point, I mean actually being able to to understand the nuance of each market and especially and we see here that in Europe and, and you know this by heart because that's what was one of the 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 potential pitfalls of our product in at uh, the year league was that you know language, for example, is is a very important uh, aspect so th- for you to have broadcasters and commentators in local language is a huge deal and that you know you need an operation to be able to to, to, to run that really
1: agree and you know what a lot of people um would say have, have asked me what are the biggest learnings you've completely shifted the, the the business focus from b2b services provided to d2c it's a completely different business how are there any similarities between those two i, I actually think we are one of perform maybe without knowing it initially one of the best positioned companies in the world to do what we've done because the operational infrastructure of ingesting content of having a global network of sports commentators knowing but having worked with organisations like Euroleague that have diverse fan bases across many different cultures and territories you get in that in that organisation an inherent understanding of one the sports fan behaviour globally you know roughly the different um, sort of parts of the sports landscape that matter most and how fans behave in different parts of the world but crucially also you have an operational infrastructure that allows you to ingest content and pump out content in different languages in high volume uh, at very high quality broadcast levels that is no small feat and there have been lots of big organizations that have uh, you know suffered the consequences of not taking that seriously enough and Often you get people saying, "Oh, nice to see so and so competitor fall over at the weekend." And you're like, "No, absolutely not," because it, it, we are we are as an industry, the OTT industry is in this transition phase from linear broadcast, where the technology is going to take it's going to take time to ensure latency is you know mm. at, at, at a linear HD uh, sort of level, the stability of playback, the quality of, uh, of app development. All of these things are excellent and they're going very fast in the right direction. But I see myself as a, as a advocate for the transition from linear broadcast to OTT, because I know the benefits of that as a consumer. And obviously I'm incentivized personally for that to happen in the sports industry. All of us need to to see and have consumers see most importantly, that this is a stable, high quality environment to watch sports content in. As a result, I celebrate the successes of other organizations as they, increased capacity for, for live broadcast or um, improving
2: quality of playback. We do need that level to grow because it's important for the, the future of the industry as a whole. No, it is. It is. It's, it's a common misconception in business in, in general terms to, to think that the less competition that you have is good for your business, but especially when you are trailblazing, actually building a, a shift in the paradigm, you actually need the competition to validate the industry that you're building. Uh, and you know, it's fine to have competition as long as you are competing in terms of quality, diversity of content and all that. So that's that should be a problem. So to your point, I, I do agree with that with that. And the other part is to understand each one of the markets. And we'll jump in now to to kind of what's next for the zone, but but things like broadband penetrations in households and things like that, which I know are a KPI in every uh, strategy guy or corporate development guy is deck, a model uh, is really, really important. And I, I bring this up because I one of you know, a good friend in the, in the industry who lives in, in Japan and done, has done business there. has has told me that with this, that the pandemic and working from home, they had some issues in actually being able to, for, the, for the staff to, kind of connect in the early days and actually be able to participate in meetings or, you know, kind of do the work remotely. Because unbeknownst, to me at least, is that in terms of households in Japan, broadband penetration is not very high. People don't, usually don't have, um, let's say, enough, uh, let's say, bandwidth, actually, to actually be able to work uh, from home. And, And usually people are at their, offices and their desks actually working so it's not a culture that is actually made for that part of, uh, not, not of just, uh, or that evolution.
0: Not just in Japan I mean even in Czech Republic where we have a fairly good infrastructure to, when it comes to terms of uh, this type of connectivity and so on the first few weeks of the of the pandemic I mean I'm talking about late March um, it was it was a pain for most companies to keep everybody connected and without uh, dropping off and so on so imagine since you're working from home, the use of the Netflix and Primes and all these other platforms uh, as well uh, rose up. It becomes and, a luxury. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's just, we, we actually called several times to, to our providers because we were having issues. Um, yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's interesting. There's obviously different things. Japan is culturally, obviously, extremely different to um, many other major markets of the world, right? And they have a beautiful culture that's just, it's just different to the way mm-hmm. that we in western europe and the states live, live our lives right um the, the household behaviors are very different the, the, the way of working is very different i'd say i'm not i wouldn't be overly surprised that the shift in japan to working from home would be more difficult than in other parts of the world because there is that sort of rigidity and, and um formality to japanese business culture that is extremely respectful of hierarchical and, um uh, being your boss and, and having his or her feedback into your way of working is a very important part of Japanese business culture. So it doesn't overly surprise me. I, I've been in the four years we've been operating in Japan. Obviously, most of the, the two years I spent living there, I was always impressed by how high quality the Japanese internet infrastructure was. Actually, you're out and about, four G on the street. you never. I live in New York City. The connectivity in New York isn't great on a on a cellular level, right? And that that's always surprised me. In Japan, the infrastructure quality is so high; it runs as as smoothly as their train system, right? It, it, everything's on time. You're loading uh, you're loading you know content and, and and data packets very very quickly. That's obviously enabled our, our product to work very very smoothly in Japan, but. Um, As as I say, the the, the, the various parts that come into this conversation, your own playback infrastructure, the the complexity or the simplicity of the way you put your tech stack together, the core internet infrastructure in a market, including internet connectivity and cellular connectivity, all these things are like ingredients to the overall consumer experience. And um, it's extremely complicated to put it all together, to do it uh, at the level we do it at and the volume, uh, we do it out, and the number of hours of broadcast we put out in HD every day, every month, every year, really is, I think, credit to our operational teams. And it's also the kind of department in a business that doesn't get a pat on the back when you have a really smooth broadcast. No one's congratulating the, the engineers. The Ninety-nine. Yeah, they're,
2: they're not the ones that are going to pick up the prices and all that. You know.
1: I think that is that is a cultural thing that I think other companies. In the tech industry, maybe not the sports industry, do a lot better than us as a as a sports company, right? So we are definitely making as a management team a concerted effort to recognise the the quality that, that that these guys operate at, and, it, and it's important to do so because um, yeah, to retain good talent in that space, obviously you need to recognise their excellent work, and um, we are we are starting to do that more and more at Chunk which I'm happy about.
2: So jumping jumping now to to present term, I mean how 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 has it been for Joe and, and the company in the U.S. in this almost three years that you've been yeah. in the market and actually living over there?
1: Yeah, so yeah, the great opportunity personally to come and head up our, our North American business. Um, I arrived in February, March of 2018, uh, inherited a, a Canadian business that had launched in August of 2017 as our fifth uh, market so that... The, After that initial launch in in Europe and Japan, it was the next market we launched, uh, with with primarily with NFL Game Pass content, which has been a a major sort of staple of our Canadian offer for the last uh, three years, Uh, and six months prior to our US launch, which was different to uh, the launches we'd we'd, we'd had elsewhere in the world, because it was very focused on a specific set of rights, which was the world of boxing. Now, the world of boxing does not operate like a traditional sports property. Um, I'll pick my words carefully, but it, it's just a slightly different – it's a slightly different setup to uh, a major basketball property, a major soccer property, a major American football property. You're not handed a PDF in the summer that says, here is our schedule until May. Uh, Manchester United, Chelsea on the 15th of November, you can build your marketing campaigns around that month in advance. It's the whole thing is on a fight by fight basis. You're trying to stitch together uh, a schedule of content. You're working with an interesting collection of characters, uh, boxers themselves, their managers. This is, it's not a centralized organization. It doesn't benefit from having a central governing body. So on a personal level, finding myself going from being a sort of, you know, floppy head, yeah, slightly posh English public school boy being thrust into this, into this world of uh, of professional boxing and being sort of the, the the main representative of DAZN in these conversations was uh, much to the amusement of my of my family and friends who sort of saw me sat on these press conference tables getting abused on the internet by by boxing trolls. Um, that that was all quite quite amusing to everyone and myself included. Uh, but so I've learned a hell of a lot. I've I've loved the experience and obviously it's um, a, a working in boxing, meeting some really interesting, very smart people who are, who are, who are building careers of fighters and learning learning about the, the fighter lifestyle as well as just on, on a human level, really interesting. Um, separate to that, working in the US, obviously the world's biggest economy, the world's biggest sports media market by some distance, um, always wanted to do it. I'm sure we, we've spoken about that before, that, that the the size and the quality of the US sports industry is is something that Working in sport, you, I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to live personally in New York as well. So to be able to do all those things simultaneously has meant the last three years have gone very very quickly, or at least two and a half years went very very quickly. The last six seven months have been a bit have been a bit weird. Um, but look, I, I've loved it. I've learned a hell of a lot on a personal level. I think the company too has evolved its understanding. We we definitely um, learned on the job in boxing. We've improved the, the way that we manage our boxing program t- tremendously. Uh, we've taken a few shots, to use a, a boxing analogy, but I think that's, that's to the benefit of the company now. And obviously, as we look towards the next phase of our growth, all of the learnings we've taken from the US and specifically on boxing are now going to be applied as we launch our, our global platform that we, we announced last week. The idea is that we take the the core content offering that we we have primarily for the US until now, we take that on a global basis. We use that as the content vehicle, uh, as well as our sort of operational and technical capabilities to lay a foundation globally with our app, making it available in 200 plus markets and territories of the world, uh, including the Czech Republic. And then we, at the right moment, with the uh, right opportunity, both in terms of content acquisition, and partnership and distribution, having the ability very quickly to turn up and supersize in a given market. So um, we, can, we can technically, operationally, commercially, sort of to a certain extent, click our fingers and build in the market, as opposed to launching specific apps in specific countries and having a 18 month sort of build up to do that. So strategically, it makes a lot of sense. I think it cements our uh, position as the first mover in this space don't think people quite recognize that there aren't many broadcasters full stop in the world that have a global output sports broadcasters that, that there aren't any that have a global uh, remit. We're five years since we, what, four years and a couple of months since we launched our first product and we're going to be the first truly global sports broadcaster. I think that's um, a tremendous, we're not, we're not making a, a huge song and dance about it in, in, in the media, but it's a, it's it's a tremendous achievement for us and one that we're very proud of and one that I'm very excited to be leading going forward. So um, it's exciting.
2: It is, and congrats on that. Actually, I mean, for for years, is uh, a media cycle and change. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a week, <laughs> let's say, on on everyone's life. You know, um, and actually, that, that was my point uh, exactly right now in terms of. Uh, now that you will be playing globally, and we'll get into the specifics of this year, which has been kind of the weirdest of our John lifetime, I must I, I say. Um, you know, how you face a market from the media rights availability perspective, like the U.S., which I know that, you know, kind of now the cycles or there might be some movement in the next couple, three years. Uh, how, how you tackle that? Because it's, I, I, I think it's that's the, that's the, the the biggest cow of of the whole range, right?
1: Yeah, I think that when you've got a global perspective, as we're very shortly to have, i are already thinking like that. How we use our capital and what opportunities we go after will be shaped by the best opportunities. Full stop. We won't be restricted by saying the only opportunities available to us are the ones that are in our markets. We can now, I mean, literally any media rights. Owner, any content owner globally is going to want to have a conversation with us um, to discuss where we are in that with regards to their core markets, where we are in regards to their content. So the opportunity spectrum dramatically widens and it gives you, from a financial investment perspective, tremendous number of opportunities to how to deploy your capital. You're not restricted to eight or nine specific markets that we have been thus far. So that changes the mindset. Um, it allows us to be, yeah, it probably it gives us a greater spectrum opportunity to bring returns to our investors, which is ultimately the end game, right? We need to be delivering value and building a, a business that meets their uh, expectations and ultimately drives them return on their investment. So that, that is going to be the focus for us. Um, it would be inappropriate and far too early for me to discuss opportunities that we're going to look at, but, they're going to be opportunities on a global scale because we're going to have the capability of, of quickly ramping and, and, and ramping to a high quality in terms of um, product and production and marketing very quickly in any market of the world. So um, the incoming we expect and are already starting to see from content owners, from uh, production houses, from telcos, from operators around the world is is there already. And uh, we're excited to, to, to digest and manage that incoming to make the best decisions onwards in terms of use of our
2: capital. Cool. So actually, now that you mentioned that, um, there's, there's now a trend. That, um, you know, I'm mostly a sponsorship guy, a brand partnerships guy. Um, there's now a trend actually that, that, that is picking up in, on OTT and, and to consumer that to actually add that the advertising component and the brand partnership component into the into the offering, the platform as branded content or whatever it may be, uh, as a way of actually giving alternatives to to the user base to actually have a subscription-based model or an advertising-based model. Right? How? Uh, what's your take on that from 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 an industry insider perspective and in general, if that could be part of the roadmap?
1: Yeah. So we are in the process of scaling our advertising business, our OTT advertising business. So you'll see that become a bigger part of our operation going forward. It will make a bigger percentage contribution to our revenues going forward. And we're building technology that allows us to maximize that globally as part of our global expansion. I think within that though, that the world of sponsorship has evolved hugely 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it probably was adverts on broadcast and a couple of boards at a golf event or courtside, or pitch side or whatever uh, vip experience for executives uh, now that the world of sponsorship opens up so many opportunities branded content and very subtly branded content uh, is, is something that that brands see tremendous value in and, and, and have have a- activated a number of times on on the zone um i think that along with the broader advertising business will continue to scale and we'll, we'll be we are speaking with agencies we have a a relationship given our operation in Japan with Dentsu who are obviously one of the world's leading uh, media and sponsorship agencies so we're not short sure of opportunities to test that stuff out and um, our media teams and our content teams work very very closely to, to identify those opportunities and, and bring the right kind of content on. Ultimately if you can work with brands to reduce your content costs and deliver great content to your consumers thus driving engagement on a, on a subscription product that's to everyone's benefit right it, 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 it's cost efficient uh, engagement and content acquisition for us. So um, definitely something we're interested in. Um, I think the, the, the brief and the challenge to our content and advertising team is what are the new you know, innovative ways of, of advertising? I think on a premium product don't want to see ads every, every 15 minutes that like they might have traditionally done on a, on a linear broadcast, especially in the U S so uh, how we evolve that space, how we innovate in that space, what content formats we use to um, to, to do that and uh, to drive innovation in that space. would be very interesting. Uh, we've done some interesting stuff recently with Apple TV and Ted Lasso, the, the, the sort of comedy series. We stitched that with, with our ambassador, Jose Mourinho, and that was with uh, pr- obviously promoting the broadcast on Apple TV. So that's the sort of example you'll start seeing us do where we're integrating brands and integrating talent and, uh, in, in, in the in the round promoting the brand, promoting whatever they're trying to push and, 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 and obviously helping design KPIs as well. So uh, it's um it's an interesting world that I think gonna evolve very quickly because the opportunities for brands and the platforms they have to push content out to coupled with the expectation that consumers have uh, is driving a lot of change in that space and we're a part of that
2: excellent I think we're approaching the hour so so to kind of uh, wrap up uh, a little bit uh, as I said just before I mean 2020 it's bizarre sad complicated altogether right how how was it for you guys in terms of uh, of of the platform in the in the markets that you operate currently and how this baseline of this year actually will be uh let's say expected to to have a major role in terms of you know how how you roll over this global launch towards the end of the year and actually going into twenty twenty
1: one. Yeah look I mean for everyone in sport I'm sure um everyone in your in your network it's been a tough year. Um end of February, early March you all had to react very quickly to an ever-evolving situation. I remember thinking having friends of mine in the medical space say twelve weeks it'll be over soon. Um that's obviously changed. The impact at the start was very much evolving day to day. So we, I think we reacted really, really well as a business. We were going through a cycle of change anyway. You obviously saw some management change in the summer at zone and a, a sort of a resetting the strategy that leads us to the, to the global launch. So it was a period of change anyway that then got rocked even harder by, by COVID and the impact I had to sport. I think all things considered, day to day, and from a strategy perspective, leadership level, the business has reacted really, really well. We've made use of the time, I think in our personal lives the time to reflect and, and try and grow. And I think as a business we, we did that well. It allowed us to reset a couple of things.'ve um, we've, we've worked with partners to, to reestablish schedules that work for us, and uh, everyone in sport has been doing much of the same there. Um, but it did allow us to step back and reconsider a few things. I think the launch of the Global product, which was originally planned for May, reflects a lot of that learning and that reflection. So um, I'm really excited that we're you know we're back in a healthy position from a, from a subscriber growth perspective. Um, the, the, the recapture of subscribers was 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 successful in, in, in our key markets with you know, the, the Premier League and European soccer leagues coming back and then restarting. Um, We saw great success recapturing those subscribers who maybe left earlier in the year when the the, the future of sport wasn't clear. So we've bounced back well and now we're sort of positioned well for growth. And I think 2021 is going to be really interesting from an industry perspective, but also for us, where can we, as we look at that global platform, where do we start turning up? Where do we direct our attention? We're going to be surprised, I'm sure, by some markets in terms of what we we learn positively from launching in December. Um, But yeah, using that data, using that market experience to direct our growth in the medium term is going to be the real focus for us going forward. And I think um, all things considered, we stand in a pretty good position to do that going into 2021. So
0: that's exciting for us. Great. I have to say that I'm really looking forward to being able to have this on in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: uh, thing for me is going to be how you how as an executive you spend uh, you use your time to monitor the output in 200 plus countries using your sort of internal vpn solution is going to be very very but, um we're going to have a to way of doing that but look, it's exciting we're very um encouraged by the feedback we're getting from the launch announcement and uh, we've got a huge number huge six-figure number of of, of, of fans who've signed up in all corners of the world, just in the last two three years, expecting DAZN and wanting DAZN to come to their markets. So we've got a base of, of eager fans uh, to go and interact with globally. And you being one of them in the Czech Republic, we hope there are many many more, and we know that there are around the world. So for sure, we look forward to, to launching in December. For sure. Oh, right,
2: excellent, excellent. I I don't know if you have anything more, Luis, but uh, I think that's. Uh... Uh, oh, me, I, had, I, I had
0: one other question that I wanted to ask. It was answered before sure. I even asked it, so uh, I, I don't need to. Well, look, guys, I, I appreciate that's it. What you,
2: that's what you get with this type of relationship. I mean, we kind of know what's happening.
0: <laughs> but, kind of but look, I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for the time and uh, look forward to catching up in person soon. Awesome.
2: Definitely, definitely. Whenever it's uh, allowed, uh, we, I think uh, a beer is due. So either New York or Barcelona uh, yeah. can take uh, any, any of the two.
0: Let's hope it's 2021. Definitely. <laughs> let's hope so, let's hope so. Catch you on the next one, man. It was a real pleasure, Joe, to, to listen yes. to you. I'll speak to you. Stay safe, uh, man. Thanks very much. Man. Bye. This episode is brought to you, as always, by The Connect. The Connect is Raider Luis Baez. Follow the Intersection podcast in your favorite podcasting platform. Leave us a review and share it with a friend. This will really help us be found by more of you interested in the topics of sports marketing and deal making. Until the next one.